Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 98 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, hurrah! Hello sir, how are you? I'm okay man, how are you? How's quarantine treating you? Uh, week 3, I think day 21 for date stamp purposes, we're coming at you 9.45 on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, day 21, not bad, getting there, I would say like starting to adapt to it, I would say, starting to get used to certain things, certain routines. Okay, okay, okay. Um, which I, which I think was important because I was going absolutely stir crazy somewhere in the middle, <laughs> like around about week two. But yeah, I'm getting there. It's leveling out a little bit. I'm still looking forward to all of this being over and being able to see people's real human faces again. But like, uh, I'm okay for now. You? Uh, it's okay. Yeah, there's parts of it I'm enjoying. Like yesterday, I was able to get out and have a potter about in the garden. Also, to spot a room painting. So I've been productive. I've been able to do things. And it's been nice to spend so much time with Nathan without necessarily having to be leaving to go to work and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's fine but it's nice to just spend some time with them yeah of course definitely and uh with all this time that you've had you've been watching anything i'll tell you what i have watched mitch go on i finally watched all of the hunt oh okay third time's a charm so uh (laughs) how did you find it what i will say is i don't think the film's anywhere near as clever and cutting as it thinks it is right but i had a real fun time with it it's very 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 silly i mean it's intentionally silly at points i think and uh, i laughed out loud a good few times at some of the deaths in it but uh, I think it's really good for anyone who doesn't know The Hunt's basically the story of 12 kind of let's say conservative Americans like MAGA hat wearers who find themselves in this clearing in the middle of nowhere and they're hunted by kind of liberal elites okay Uh, so the film goes to some lengths to try and portray people on both sides of the American political spectrum as equally stupid. Okay. So that's basically what the film's trying to do. I don't think it always manages that. Um, okay. But there's a pretty good central performance from Betty Gilpin from Glow. Oh, okay. Um, and there's appearances in there from Ike Barinholtz and Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts wearing the worst wig. Honestly, Barbie's hair looks more believable. <laughs> It's, it's sh- shocking, frankly. I don't know if maybe she turned up and said and she had like a skinhead or something and they were like, no, no, we need to do something about this. But she looks very dumb wearing this wig. But it's fine because she's not in it for long. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, there's an ap- appearance later from Hilary Swank and one of the best fight sequences I've seen in, like I guess, a mainstream Hollywood film in a long time. Oh, really? Okay, cool. That's pretty good. So, yeah, third time of asking, you're over the finish line with the hunt. Yeah, and what I would say is see if you turn your brain off and don't think too much about what the film's trying trying not entirely successfully to do it's pretty fun there's a lot of fun to be had in it although there's a bit actually i will another thing i will say is there's a bit of a kind of slump in the middle that kind of deflates it a little bit but it picks up significantly in the last kind of 15 minutes kind of rediscovers its fun nice okay okay Uh, that happens so often in films like that i think yeah yeah uh anything else or is that your main one uh that's really the main thing i mean i've i've 
still been catching up with a load of video games and stuff that I had been letting slide. Been playing some more of Death Stranding, a lot of walking about, which is ironic given that I'm not really supposed to be outside and walking about myself. Uh -huh, you're living vicariously through your Death Stranding character. Yeah, through Norman Reedus. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, a completed Resident Evil 3. Okay, was it as short as you suspected it might be? It was. I was in and out in about five and a half to six hours. Okay. Which, yeah, that is short. And there's not really a massive amount of replayability in it. Right. Which, at least with Resident Evil 2, the remake that came out last year, you had a whole second story strand. Right, okay, okay. Uh, so you could play as a slightly different story as another character. Okay, so a leaner beast, this one. Very much so, I would say, very much so. I think uh, charging 50 quid for it is a bit cheeky, I think, if they'd have gone for more run about the, maybe the £30 price point, that would have felt more worth it. Okay. But yeah, that's, that's really it, apart from one thing. Yes... And now's probably a good time to discuss that. We had our second instalment of Smoky Thriller Fridays. Sure did, and I think that we fared a little bit better this time around. So for anyone that missed it last week, me, Andy, and Andy's wife Jackie have come up with a nice little new mini tradition to uh, fill in some of the weekend times during quarantine, which involves us settling down around about 8.30 on a Friday night with our respective drinks in hand, rummaging through the dirty vaults of Netflix in search of a smoky thriller to watch. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. So last week we had Deadly Expose, which we all agreed was pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was poor. Production value was poor, acting was poor. Payoff was poor. Mm, it was like, I think that there was there was almost enough to laugh at, or like kind yeah. of get a laugh out of, um, to see it through, but it was a closer run thing than I would have preferred. However, this week we went for An Affair to Die For, which uh, is available on Netflix everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was another one we just kind of plucked from the synopsis, basically. Yeah, the synopsis roughly being that you've got um, an adulterous couple who uh, head to a hotel for a romantic tryst, if you like. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, basically then become uh, pawns in a deadly game, not of cat and mouse because it's all in the same room, but a deadly game of sorts, um, orchestrated by a sadistic serial killer. This was much better. Yeah, that, I had a great time with this. It starts off quite heavy, if I'm honest. There is absolutely no denying that. <laughs> uh, yeah, aha, uh, uh -huh, yeah, I would say that actually. Like, um, I think that if you're sitting down expecting some kind of like very silly escapist trash, you will ultimately get it. But um, the first 10 minutes or so, you kind of have to suffer through. <laughs> Yeah, there's some pretty unpleasant stuff kicking this uh, this meeting of our main characters. Where it eventually goes, it's like quite satisfyingly twisty. It is daft. I mean, like, it's very, very dumb, but it's very fun. A significantly better made film than Deadly Expose. Ah, uh, 100%. Completely agree. Don't want to say too much more about it because the further in you go, the kind of more it unravels. But one thing I will say is that watching it, when you've got actors like Claire Forlani and Harry Bosch himself, Titus Welliver, immediately the kind of quality of what you're watching is increased a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true, I would say. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, Smoky Thriller Friday's round two went a little better. Yeah, I would recommend An Affair to Die For. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, me too. Me too. Go check out An Affair to Die For. If you're looking for something kind of silly to watch while you and your viewing partner split a bottle of wine, go for it. Also, not long. In and out in a nippy one hour, 22 minutes. Yeah, if that's your thing, and it's very much mine, it's also got that going for it. One thing I did want to touch on, Mitch, before we move on to your viewing, is I took possession this week of The Colour Out of Space and VFW on Blu-ray. Oh, cool, okay. Both good And films. I just want to have a moan here, because neither of them have any special features on them. Really? Yeah, I would have liked to have heard a bit from Joe about VFW, and I would have liked to dig a little deeper into Richard Stanley's filmmaking process on The Colour Out of Space, and I don't have that luxury. Uh, I think that's pretty poor. Yeah, I think that that's a poor show, actually. Yeah, on both counts, definitely. And especially, I think, in the case of Colour Out of Space, which was put out by Studio Canal. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, that feels, that feels kind of particularly inexcusable to me. Yeah, uh, just wanted to moan about that very, very briefly. 
No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, it's a justifiable reason to moan. I've been catching up with some stuff this week. First up, I got a rewatch in of the Fright Fest Glasgow selection, the Mortuary Collection. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this was directed by Ryan Spindell, who is best known up to this point for uh, the short The Babysitter Murders. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which I, I really like that short. I like that short a lot. Um, I saw it at a couple of festivals. I think I maybe saw it at both Fright Fest and Segaloid Screams the year it came out. Right, yeah. <laughs> so the Mortuary Collection is an anthology and relatively uncommon, apart from Verotica, but it's an anthology that's written and directed completely by Ryan Spindell. Yeah. Now, you're basically, your framing device here is um, a, a, an old guy who works in a funeral home kind of exchanging scary stories with a young girl who has come in at the end of a funeral. Right, yeah. I think there's maybe four in there in total. I watched it a few days ago. They all work pretty well, I think. There's not a duff one in there. And uh, The Babysitter Murders is actually there as the fourth one. But what I would say is that it really earmarks Ryan Spindell as a very interesting filmmaker. Okay. Like, the, like this film visually, I think, looks brilliant. I mean, from the absolute opening, when you see the kind of old book opening and stuff like that, and then when you see the kind of sleepy town that it's happening in. I don't know exactly what it is that he's doing, but there's this immediately this fairy tale aesthetic to it that i just kind of was like after a couple of minutes i was like right okay yeah what have you got for me and that doesn't let up at all it's really really i think it's actually really well directed and really well photographed right uh, I, I, I really like this i really like this some stories work better than others that's normal for anthologies but really really interesting film by somebody who i think really interesting new voice as well excellent i'm gonna i'm gonna check that out yeah you should you should other thing i did this week was finally subscribe to the arrow video channel on amazon prime <laughs> i'm very proud of you and do you know what i'm even more proud of is that you've been messaging me as you dig into certain things and it's good to see some of the stuff that you're watching well yeah i mean I'm, I've, uh, I've got a few things on the short list i might dig into something a little bit later on and definitely my plan is to watch a few more this week so i could be plucking some uh could be plucking some pretty interesting stuff from the vaults over the next few weeks a couple of really I... interesting 90s ones in there as well so really looking forward to getting dug in however of course me being me the first thing that i did was well i had a double bill i had a double bill i think it was on wednesday night and i gotta tell you it's the best double bill that i've done in so long okay so I went first with something that I'd seen, specifically After Midnight. Excellent. Amazing. Aha. Uh-huh. I don't need to sound off much more about After Midnight, neither of us do. Um, Jeremy Gardner and Christine Stella's film starring Jeremy himself and Bria Grant. It's amazing. I love it. Second Watch confirmed it. It's like oh, one of the best films I've seen in so long. I'm just absolutely in love with it. Cannot say enough good things about it. But um, after that, I backed it up with something I've been meaning to get to for a really, really long time. I finally watched Dave Made a Maze by Bill Watson. Oh, oh. I think I've talked about this in the show before i i love dave made a maze i think that you talked about this film when arrow put it out yeah memory serves i think that you maybe talked about it then for anyone that doesn't know it's about a woman who returns to her apartment to find that her boyfriend dave has built a cardboard maze that consumes the entire flat yeah. she <laughs> she and a couple of her friends or a couple of their friends venture inside it and they realize that it is somehow much larger on the inside it's got multiple rooms and it gets it's just a fairly surreal experience after that i love this thought it was very heartfelt very funny had some interesting things to say about the creative process and the notion of writer's block and things like that yep yeah i thought that this was great i thought that everyone in it was really good really great comic timing pretty much across the board but some of the creatures and stuff in it were really cool as well it's just a really really smart 
idea very very neatly realized yeah i i was massively impressed by the ingenuity on show and they've made a maze and how even things down to the like the the death scenes like when people die their blood is like ribbons red streamers and ribbons and stuff like that i I just think it's really clever yeah I, i don't know what i was expecting but and I expected it to be good because enough people whose opinions I value told me it was good, mm-hmm. but it was better than I thought it was going to be as well. Uh, also, just for anyone who has this channel, or if you don't, they're doing a 30-day free trial right now, the Arrow channel, and uh, after Midnight and Dave Made a Maze, I burned through both of those in under two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. It was a good time. Elsewhere, I jumped onto Netflix this week and caught up with something else that I tried to catch at the cinema, but it's the kind of thing that has a short cinematic run. Corey Finley's Thoroughbreds. Ah, right. Yeah. So here you have Olivia Cook and longtime Mitch favourite Anya Taylor-Joy, mm-hmm. who are these kind of, these two, well, friends might be a bit strong, they know each other and they're reunited after a certain point. And basically, the initial interactions that they have are very terse. And eventually they realise that the thing that they have in common is that they both hate Anya Taylor-Joy's character's stepdad. Yeah. So they hatch a plot to kill him. And basically, the film just follows the kind of realising of that plan. And it's 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 a, it's a pretty simple affair, really. That's pretty much all that is to it but what i would say is this is this is really interesting it doesn't work all the way for me uh sometimes the writing is a little bit too smart alecky in that way that aaron sorkin's writing can be a little bit too smart alecky you know when people say things or like people have this impossibly witty exchange and then you just go ah no no nobody would have this rapid fire in exchange of witticisms in real life yeah i i find that difficult sometimes when i'm just like there's when something feels overwritten Uh uh-huh exactly and there's maybe just shades of that in the first 10 minutes or so just when the film's kind of setting out its stall i would say after that it becomes a little bit leaner and uh, anton yelchin's in here as well yeah he's really good in it too this is really interesting actually i do like it and i would recommend it i would say that i hope to like it more but it is good and um, everyone is pretty good in it i would say about the last maybe 10 15 minutes or so are really really striking like as it got towards that point as it hurtled if you like towards its final act i <laughs> was kind of looking at it thinking right what are you going to do here like how like how, how are we going to see this over the line because and it was one of those things where I was like, I can't conceive of a way that this is going to end that's satisfying. And I'm not sure that it's entirely satisfying, but it's very well played. Okay. Like the way that it actually unfolds is really nicely done. So I would say Thoroughbreds, probably a seven where I was hoping for an eight, but enough in there to make me keep an eye on what Corey Finley does next. Excellent. So just the one more for me. Yeah. Mitch goes back to the 90s. He sure does. And I did give you a wee hint through the week of which one that I went for this week. It was another bottle into the Arrow video channel, actually. Ooh. And I think that if I'd given you a hundred guesses on which 90s film I was watching, you probably wouldn't have got it. You gave me significant hints and I dug and dug and dug to get to the point where I was able to tell you what you were watching. Yeah, and I mean, it's very much out of step with my usual taste, I would say. Well, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think it was just one of those things where it was like, I have probably been a little bit guilty of falling into watching stuff that I'm kind of comfortable with just now. Yeah. And I think that that's maybe a natural inclination with things being the way they are in the wider world at the moment. But um, I was like, you know what? No. And also, I was like, right, this looks like it's going to be really unpleasant, but you've talked about it before, and it's only 65 minutes long, so even if it is really unpleasant, it'll be over soon. So <laughs> I watched Shram this week. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
this kind of thing that is kind of relentlessly unpleasant with no massive amount of kind of plot beats or anything. Because mm-hmm. there aren't really in this. No, no, um, not, not hugely. I find it very difficult to find things like that anything other than shocking for the hell of it. Right. Which I would say, I don't know what it was about Shram. I, I obviously enjoy is the wrong word. I got a decent amount out of it. I wouldn't flock to watch it again. Uh-huh. There's something about this kind of filmmaking that there's always been a little bit of a wall between me and it. And I, I don't know. I think that maybe it did enough to pique my curiosity to maybe go and dig out some more of this kind of stuff. The way that some of the violence and some of the kind of interactions inside the house unfolded actually uh, reminded me a little bit of angst. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Obviously, this is a considerably more visceral experience than angst, but this it's it's unpleasant in a lot of the same ways, I think. Agreed. Uh, but no, I, th- I thought Shran was interesting. Whether I'll kind of pivot back to something a little bit less traumatic next week <laughs> remains to be seen. But an experiment that worked, mostly. Well, there's plenty of stuff on the Arrow video channel that will challenge you in similar ways. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, challenge me in loads of other different ways as well. So yeah, like like I say, it could be a fruitful month in terms of me, uh, in terms of me digging through some stuff. <laughs> By the way, our old pal Rob Morgan did a animated sequel to Shran, which is available on the Arrow Video Blu-ray. I think it might even be online somewhere now uh, that you should check out because, again, it shows how amazing Rob is as an animator, um, as a creator. But also, it's just really interesting to see the, the next step, if you like. That's cool. That sounds interesting. No, I definitely want to check that out because I like Rob's stuff too. So, yeah. What have they been saying? It's feedback time and a decent amount of stuff forthcoming this week unsurprisingly, a decent amount on Troll 2. Would, would you expect anything less? Absolutely not. Big thank you to Evolution Horror's Brad Hansen for joining us last week. Finally, someone steps up to the plate, picks Troll 2. Yeah, yeah, and it had to happen eventually. I'm amazed it took as long as it did, but it's done, it's in the bag, and we can move on to other things. Yes. Now, a lot of sharing this week of that very famous gif from that very famous scene. Sure. In Troll. Uh, Troll 2, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, just simply saying, yay, Troll 2 is the best kind of awful. Agreed. <laughs> Chris Saul at Oblong Pictures. Can't believe I'm not only going to have to finally watch Troll 2 after all these years avoiding it, but that I'm going to have to watch Troll 1 first as well, so I know what's going on. <laughs> uh... I think that's Chris having a laugh. Yes, I think so. Because there is zero correlation between John Carl Buechler's troll and Claudio Fragasso's sequel of sorts. Air quotes. Laura Bynan, Bynan LV. Enjoying strong and violent PC on the mighty Troll 2. Grateful, guys, for keeping it going during lockdown. You're very welcome. What else are we going to be doing? I'm literally twiddling my thumbs. She goes on to say, I have some green food colouring and a packet of Angel Delight. What could go wrong? <laughs> Uh, anything else on Troll 2 there? Someone else has settled in for a reviewing of Troll 2, our old pal, Film Fan Stevie. Ah, okay. Film Fan Stevie, by the way, I, I, he has touched on this a little bit on his Twitter. Been a long time since he's been in a cinema. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about him and uh, Scare Bear as well. Yeah, yeah. But Stevie's saying, uh, after listening to the latest episode of Strong Violent PC, believe it's time I revisited the film along with the documentary Best Worst Movie. It was just under seven years ago that the PCC in London did a double bill. Oh, cool. And then I saw that Stevie was digging into that Eureka box set that we keep talking about. Mm-hmm. Stevie's also got in touch to say that he's playing Animal Crossing. Now, I don't know what this is. Right? Um, I see loads of people going on about it, but I don't have, a, I don't have the foggiest idea. I have a vague idea what Animal Crossing is. My flatmates are obsessed with it. Okay, and, and um, what is this like? Uh, is this on a console? Yes, they're playing it on the Switch. Right, okay, I don't have a Nintendo Switch. As far as I can tell, you play a character that you kind of customise. 
Okay. And you live on your own little island, which you and in a house, and you can kind of develop both of them by doing certain things. It looks like quite a relaxing thing, basically. Okay. I think, like, you know, it's like it, it seems to have a lot to do with like stocking resources, then using them, and just kind of making things like kind of look nice and look cool. And I think that there's a way that you can go and visit other people's islands and all that kind of thing. So yeah, th- that's the full extent of my knowledge of it. So not very much. <laughs> Right, well, my knowledge is significantly less because all I know about it is literally what Steve is saying in this tweet, which is that he has a giant Godzilla in his garden in the game and shining wallpaper for his home cinema. Um, and then he asks if we are playing it. We, I think that's quite clear that we are not. We're not. But yeah, like I'm, with a kind of a vague outline understanding of how it works, like I'm quite enjoying seeing some of the kind of content air quotes that people are producing in it as well. It's quite fun. A wee doubler from Caitlin, Scare Cheapless. Okay. I am now caught up with Strong Violent PC minisodes. Adjusting to no commute has been tricky for listening and I still have to remember to pause before going into meetings. But lovely to be back on track. Next step, full episodes. She also adds, oh, as well, Stud of Echoes is a quiet favourite of mine thanks to watching it too young, really, at sleep so that was in reference to, I believe it was John Paul Fitch last week who pointed out that Star of Echoes is on Amazon Prime, another potential yep. for my uh, 90s side quest hit list. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for getting in touch, Caitlin. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be in the 100% club soon. It'll be sure and keep us posted. Topical tweet coming in from Kean O'Brien at NotSoKean saying, I could totally do academic work or I could totally play Resident Evil 4 for the third time and listen to old episodes of Strong Violent PC. Guess which? Presumably... You're playing Resident Evil again, which is which is absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, thank you for putting aside the things that are important and listening to us. Yeah, always happy to aid in people's procrastination. <laughs> Laura got back in touch by an NLV with a longer consideration on uh, Ken Russell's Lair of the White Worm, which you may remember ah. we covered a couple of weeks ago with Hellbent director Paul Etheridge. Yes. She says, so I watched Lair of the White Worm relatively sober on lockdown. Loved it as Ken Russell seemed to place it entirely in his head. A good place to be. Made me think of a bonkers stage play. The locations looked like sets even if they weren't. Amanda D stealing and chewing the show. The shot and video hallucinations still startled me too. Glad that this could get made in the 80s when UK film what there was of it was on a different track so yes loved it and thanks oh and friday night smoky thrillers don't know if it's on netflix but the works of greg dark please oh so there you go um a uh, information packed tweet from one of there excellent stuff uh, yeah and I, I agreed about a lot of uh, what you said about layer of the white worm there as well neil at horror of dracula getting in touch about layer of the white worm as well he's just saying that he's really tempted to watch it and that he has fond teenage memories of it. Okay. Yeah, I have fond teenage memories of this film as well, because if you recall, I said that I thought it was quite horny. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, you're, mm. you're quite right. <laughs> uh, Neil, let us know how that viewing went, if it went at all. Yeah, absolutely. You got anything else before we move on? I do. One last thing. Uh, this is coming in from Cosmic Ray Girl on the back of our Gremlins 2 episode with Adam Stovall. Uh, where I, at one point, attempted, I think, to do an impression of a gremlin and it came out sounding like Yoda. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm, I remember. And, oh no, it was Gre- yeah, it was Greta. I was attempting to do the voice of Greta, the, the sexy female gremlin. Yeah, yeah. Alexis is saying uh, that she loved my Yoda impression. Oh, well, there you go. Um, there you go. Validation on that. <laughs> Thank you, I do. Okay, that's plenty. Don't get See? cocky. <laughs> uh, one last thing from me as well and uh, it's from Dave Cooper under the guise of his uh, Anyone for Seconds podcast Ah, and he mm-hmm. basically just sent us a picture of himself he was getting some work done while wearing his Chud's shirt ah wonderful always nice to see those things in the wild thanks a lot for getting in touch Dave so moving on it is time for Mitch's Pitches once again. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my 
phone will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any other identifying text, leaving only the image. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and to also give it a title and a synopsis. We'll also put this all over our social media so you guys can join in as well. Loads of you doing that this week. Now, last week we had The Killing Kind. We did, yeah, yeah. Reappropriated by me as the vivisection inspection, employment verminated. <laughs> so for you to get through this week, loads of people getting in touch, so here's the pick of the bunch. Uh, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, unlucky in love, misfit and pest controller Phil Buckets unleashes a plague <laughs> of rabid vermin on the women who turned down his romantic advances in 1973's Naws of Love. Oh! Canel at Colac on Twitter, after his restaurant is shut down for very clear vermin-based health violations, a French rat chef uses his evil mind control powers to force a young art student vernon infestation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Paris wide killing spree. Massive shootings with gats and uzis in Ratatouille, rats with toolies. <laughs> Just want to say quickly, Canel reached out and got in touch. He has started doing YouTube reviews of films, uh, kicking off with the inappropriate Corona Zombies. Yeah, that's out there. Uh, both the film and uh, Canel's review. So uh, check out his Twitter, Colac. Get in on that. Next up, we've got Keen O'Brien. Uh huh. Professional James Marsden lookalike Robert Owen Dent decides to get revenge on every woman who's broken his heart with the help of his army of psychic rats. However, what R.O. Dent, very good, doesn't anticipate is that his childhood sweetheart and ex-girlfriend Kat Hunter has her own tricks up her sleeve in 1981's classic fantasy comedy sequel, Ratribution 2, Rats, Twats and Cats. <laughs> That's a good one, I like that. And uh, to wrap us up this week, we do have Tony Constantinou on Facebook. After years of having maliciously unfounded and contradictory rumours spread about her, embittered, illiterate children's novelist and penniless husband-murdering multimillionaire spinster Crystal Decanter decides to enact her <laughs> deadly revenge by unleashing a horde of genetically modified implaguing rats upon the beastly suburban busybodies of Buttcourt, Louisiana. Now as Crystal and her army of relentless rodents descend upon the elite cul-de-sac of Fungler's Bunch, <laughs> All hope for the heinous, helpless housewives now rest with sexy local odd jobsman Daniel Day Mann to produce an impregnable erection against the malevolent horde in the 1976 softcore sexploitation classic Rat Bitch Proof Fence The Confessions of Dandy Randy Handyman Dandy Man. <laughs> Uh, uh, best pitch to Tony, best name to Canel For Vernon Infestation? Yes. Excellent. Well done, guys. Tony and Canel, you are this week's winners. Uh, Rab, the delivery driver, is back aboard his van to deliver the nothing to you. He will, of course, exercise social distancing and leave the nothing in your lobbies or communal hallways. Yeah, or even in your uh, blue bin. Yeah, if you'd prefer. If you'd prefer, definitely. Yeah, yeah we, can, we yeah. can also accommodate that. So, I guess it's yeah. my turn now. Ready? Sure. I think you're, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Here it comes now. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay, no border to this image. No, no, no. It's a black background with kind of what looks like kind of dust clouds or mist or dry ice or something. Uh, we have a man who looks like he's maybe in his late 30s, early 40s. Uh, he's got a kind of shock of thick black hair, very white teeth quite a large mouth quite big teeth he is uh, i would say it's fair to say in a state of some distress his head is being held in place by mechanical apparatus he has things plugged into his head and he is also being directly into his right eyeball with an orange serum by a 
mechanical robot arm. The effects of this are pretty evident. His uh, the left side of his face seems to be turning scaly. Okay, is my interpretation of that. Uh, it seems to be like kind of creeping across his face, left to right. In front of this kind of uh, horrific tableau, we have a woman with blonde hair clapping her hand over a young child with blonde hair who is wearing a baseball jacket. Yep, that all seems in order. Yep, anything else you want to add before we move on? I think that that's just about it, to be honest. Uh, So, a screaming man injected an eyeball with orange serum by mechanical robot arm as blonde-haired woman claps her hand over the mouth of a distressed child. Fair, fair. Uh, Okay, I'll need a minute. What you've done there, Mitch, is you've supposed that this character is going from normal face to scaly face. Perhaps it's the other way. Perhaps he's being healed. Perhaps, yeah, yeah, who am I to say? Um, But either way, it's a strange and unusual delivery method for any kind of injection. I'd be inclined to agree with you on that point, yeah. (laughs) How's it going? I think I'm just about there. Okay. Right, okay. Here we go. I'm ready. After years of putting up with her husband's lecherous, unfaithful ways, downtrodden housewife Irma Fightback has had enough. With only her five-year-old son Donnie Fightback for company, she flees their upscale suburban home under cover of darkness, leaving a note for her husband Al explaining that she's had to deal with him coming home at 4am smelling of a stranger's perfume for the last time. Driven mad by toxic masculinity and his mortally wounded pride, Al snaps and seeks the assistance of his friend, confidant and aspiring scientist Leopold Gunt, who uses the unlicensed but surprisingly high-tech equipment in his garage to transform Al into a half-man, half-reptile hell beast. With Al scampering around the city on four legs wreaking death and destruction, it's up to Irma and kind-hearted half-sister Temperance Elderberry to reverse the effects <laughs> of the serum and save Irma, Donnie and the world in 1987's bizarre, apocalyptic monster movie family drama epic, Casanova Amphibian, the reptilian retribution of a lizard Lothario. Wow! <laughs> I don't know how your mind works. I'd love a wander around. Oh, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> I know, I don't want to see the darkness within the Sunshine Kid. Yeah, absolutely. No, you don't want to go too far in there. Sure, sure. Okay, so uh, fill me in on how wrong I am, please. You're pretty wrong. Not far out on the year. The year is 1990. Okay. And the film is George Eastman's god-awful Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Tell me more, and who's telling us? Well, this week, I thought we would keep it interesting. Interesting, eh? Okay. Yeah, for this week's synopsis on IMDb coming in from... Anonymous. Ooh, okay. Since the beginning of time, the genetic code of life has remained a mystery to mankind. But now, a brilliant scientist has discovered the secret to genetic reproduction. Forced to inject the serum into himself, the results are at first a mix of suspense, then terror, as we witness a total metamorphosis from man to the regenerator. Oh my god, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking hell uh, so you said this is terrible yeah yeah <laughs> well okay <laughs> that concludes Mitch's pitches for it this week uh, that image is everywhere now get pitching we love hearing from you we do we do we always do so streaming platforms this week then okay I feel like Amazon Prime can't possibly be doing as badly as I make them out to be I need to find more information about Amazon Prime I need to find a better resource I'm digging around for this right now but as it stands <laughs> I can't see anything 
for this week. There's always stuff on it. Like, I keep messaging you going like, oh, do you know this and that's on it? Amazon Prime. But it's just, I think, because things aren't so readily announced, they just yeah. pop on there. Uh-huh. Stuff tends to just appear. I don't think it's necessarily my fault, this one. I don't think so. No, 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 no. But we'll keep you... Yeah, if we happen to notice something that's on there, we will let you know. Of course, absolutely. But uh, for the ones that I do have a firmer handle on, <laughs> um, Netflix, Friday the 17th, we've got The Legacy of the Bones. Oh... A year after solving a series of murders, Detective Amaya is faced with a related mystery in the Baztan Valley that ends up hitting very close to home. Oh, okay, the Baztan Valley. Yeah, Shudder, a few things coming in the next couple of weeks. This week, Thursday 16th, we've got episodes 4 and 5 of Cursed Films. They are respectively on The Crow and The Twilight Zone, the movie. Okay, wow, okay. The Twilight Zone one might be interesting. Yeah, definitely, I think so. Um, Some pretty interesting stuff coming to Now TV and Sky Cinema this week as well. Thursday the 16th, we've got Billy Sinise's much-loved psychological horror, The Dead center okay yeah i talked about that recently yeah um, a psychiatrist's sanity is pushed to the edge when a patient with amnesia insists he has died and come back from the other side with something terrible yep i like this i like this a lot as well friday 17th we've got ma all right okay ma is very lonely and wants to make some friends so when she gains the trust of some local teens both parties seem to have hit the jackpot unfortunately ma is a little mentally unstable there's hell to pay when things fall apart like this slightly less. I quite liked it. I, I quite enjoyed it. I think it gets surprisingly nasty towards the end in a way that I quite enjoyed. And Sunday 19th, this is an interesting sound one, Trial by Fire. Metalhead Cameron was convicted of triple homicide in 1992. On death row, Elizabeth Gilbert fights to save him and explores how his case was mishandled. It's a 2018 biographical film starring Jack O'Connell and Laura Dern. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's your lot this week. Pick of the pack, I am going to say this week, The Dead Center. Agreed. So Billy Sinise's The Dead Center is available on Now TV and Sky Cinema from Thursday the 16th, and you would be doing very well to check that out. Yeah, it's probably also on the Arrow Video channel, I would imagine. Oh, I would imagine it is, yeah. You know what? Yeah, you're probably right. So turning our attentions to this week then. Okay. So we do have a guest this week. Yes, indeed. And this week our guest is of Vinegar Syndrome, Brad Henderson. Yes. Now, Brad has chosen a pretty interesting call on this one. He has, yeah, and I just want to preface this by saying this isn't the easiest film to get your hands on, but it is available on YouTube. Yeah, we'll maybe post a link up for anybody that wants to check it out, because actually for this conversation, I'd recommend having watched the film. Oh, 100%. I would recommend that most times, but I'd say particularly for this week, I would make time for it if you can. So for the film in question, we are going back to 1982, for John Wintergate's shot-on video masterpiece, Borden House. Borden House with Brad Henderson is going to be episode 98 of the show. How are you feeling about that? Loads of ways to get in touch with us. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Scenes at gmail.com. Hey, that's two Brad H's back to back. Yeah, Brad Hansen and Brad Henderson. They sound like two stages of the same Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yep, that's the joke I went for. Yeah, happy with yourself? <laughs> Love it. Yep, been, si- <laughs> been sitting on that one for quite a while. Brilliant, and I've just fed you it. Yep, <sighs> yep, yep, just lined it up and I knocked it right out of the park. Uh, I feel bad about myself. As well you should. <laughs> you can shower for as long as you want, the dirt's not coming off. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, we've got a website. <laughs> Sure do. Strongviolentpod.com. Get yourselves along there, have a little snoop around. You might find yourself coming across a podcast provider that suits your needs better than the one you're currently using. Mm -hmm. You might also find yourself thinking, I'm going to buy a t-shirt and support these lads. And down the line, some point down the line, you may also go, I wonder if these guys have got any live dates. Where would I find that information? Strongviolentpod.com. It's all there. 
We are back this Friday for episode 98. We're talking boarding house with Vinegar Syndrome's Brad Henderson. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Stay inside, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.